0: Hello and welcome back for another podcast episode of Asido Magazine. My name is Emre Schentürk, founder of Asido Magazine and host of the show. I'm glad to have you back because today, again, um, I'm going to discuss a very interesting topic because I'm going through the concepts of capitalism and communism, talking about some general themes and ideas around those very interesting and um, also polarizing concepts that we're actually engaging with and affected by on a daily basis. Uh, I would like to start off before I uh, go into the to the details of this um, discussion. Um, I would like to start off uh, once again presenting my book. Uh, it's called Devlet. Devlet is a new state theory. It is con- it is a concept of how to structure a state, um, how to build up a political system that is actually functioning and um, less likely to become dysfunctional if um, properly. Yeah, built up, up and applied, uh, or if the principles in here are applied properly, you might have noticed that under every episode, I'm um, um, putting a link of this book down there because um, yeah, um, you might want to have a look at it. And economic policy, which is the topic of today's episode, is also very prominent in this book. So here. I'm not going to, in this book, I'm not going to talk about um, differences between communism and capitalism, but rather establishing um, a whole new economic system, but basically um, based on some very central capitalist themes. Um, This is not to say that I'm going to be biased in this discussion, but I'm just going to walk you through. Um, some structural strengths and weaknesses and just some structural situations that exist between the capitalist and communist ideas, right? And here we are with the first point, you know, I have my little wise notebook with me you know, so I can walk you through it uh, more more thoroughly. and. Um, the main thing that people, most people mix up with capitalism and communism is that today we think that these are ideas or ideologies even, which they are not. These are both uh, economic concepts or economic ideas. So um, the founder of, of communism or the one who actually uh, brought this whole idea of, you know, of the common good and, and uh, shared productivity into the yeah, economic realm or in the, into the political realm was Karl Marx, and Karl Marx was an economist. Uh, most people don't know that. Um, it's very interesting, oftentimes when I talk about um, political concepts, people think that Karl Marx was some sort of a revolutionary um, protester or something like that, but he was just uh, an economist. And this is um, very interesting, because... The main ideas of capitalism and communism are really just, in essence, tied to the to the idea and to the usage of money. Meaning, capitalism um, f- firmly believes that the markets regulate themselves. Meaning that through the um, vehicle of money, economic conduct and also um, yeah, kind of value creation. Is represented through the exchange of money, meaning obviously. Um, first of all, money is uh, was introduced to facilitate trade because if we want to trade goods uh, one on one, there is yeah there is not such a very um, solid frame of reference to say how much yeah how uh, how much value is attached to a certain good. I could trade three eggs for a cow. I could trade ten eggs for a cow. I could uh, exchange, um, yeah, ten kilograms of steel in exchange for whatever, whatever good, and this pretty much depends on the terms that you make up with your trading partner, right? This makes it very difficult because the trading partner might not get this, this uh, good of a quota uh, in uh, his next trade with, yeah, another producer of goods or provider of services. So money, kind of, uh, creates the common. Or some some sort of you know, abstracted value um, that is a more solid frame of reference for for valuation. The problem is uh, money is actually so efficient in doing that that it also reveals some certain structural deficiencies of our human nature. And this is where communism comes in, because when trade was not regulated and people understood or those people who understood how money is actually also representing our human nature and how we behave um, uh, within larger groups and among ourselves, they became increasingly successful in accumulating money. And then they became um, what in communist terms is called the means of reproduction. Because with more money, they had a chance to reinvest the money into creating more capabilities of production using human capital from people who don't have the means and then their value or wealth expansion was uh, kind of exponential while the other one was uh, more or less linear depending on how they were using money in the end and um, from that the idea of social injustice kind of emerged in economic terms and communism tried to address that meaning if we just want to summarize it Capitalism or the capitalist economic idea is that money in itself as an abstraction of, of value uh, in, in, yeah, or kind of facilitating trade through so the extra, um, abstraction of value of goods and, and services regulates in an efficient way how we behave and maximize our well-being through the exchange of goods and services. Communism, on the other side, believes that there should be an overarching force, meaning the state in this case, should seek to equally distribute uh, money and wealth within the society in order to flatten out the social um, injustices and discrepancies. So, from that point on, um, I just touched upon um, why money is actually a useful um, useful tool and why why capitalism has a point but I want to elaborate on that and go into the advantages of of capitalist thinking or capitalist uh, systems it needs um, yeah you can kind of outsource uh, the property rights and um, yeah the oversight uh, measures that were implemented before the emergent um, yeah uh, the emergence of kind of the free market economy as we know it today. Because before that, uh, landowners, they need, needed to uh, exert much pressure and high control over their lands and over the uh, goods and, and, and products that were kind of grew out of those lands and, and the productive uh, facilities that actually created those, those products. So they outsourced it to money and people with the property rights, as property rights uh, an essential prerequisite for um, yeah the unregulated exchange of money and goods and services on the market they could efficiently do it by themselves and the taxation that resulted from that was much more efficient than the landowners going to let's say um, yeah um, to to those who were working the land um, in what way ever you know you can for example think about um, agrarian goods or but you can also think about a landowner who um, has some sort of uh, productive facilities there and people operate them uh, it made it much more efficient for them to kind of collect money through uh, taxes, uh, through taxation but also increased uh, the amount that they could gather because the whole process became more efficient as people among themselves, you know Try to um, exceed, yeah, their their, their prior uh, monetary performance, right? And they could do so because taxation is just a percentage, right? Whereas uh, collecting duties uh, were mostly like absolute numbers, so regardless of how much they worked, um, it was it remained mostly the same. And I'm just talking about uh, rural uh, Europe, where the idea actually of capitalism, later on um, emerged in the in the current form and was developed into it. Now, communism uh, in the industrial age emerged because uh, once the big factories and the mass production started to set in, um, the workers were actually bound to this source of income because all the other protective uh, income possibilities, were either not yeah, effective in generating enough money for, um, for them to make a living, or if they were already in the, um, in the urban uh, areas yeah, of whatever country we are talking about, there were actually no other possibilities to earn money than to, go, uh, yeah, to, to work in factories. And because of that, because of this dependency, uh, the wages were quite low, the living standard was horrible... And they couldn't get out of it because there weren't, uh, there, wouldn't be, um, there, there, there weren't any possibilities to save money and invest it and also generate wealth. So the factory owners and operators, they gained um, massive amounts of wealth and then they reinvested it into new productive facilities, hired more workers who couldn't um, save money and, and kind of build up their own wealth. And What happened was is um, that the social injustice grew and grew and grew. Yeah? So people, yeah, felt miserable, uh, felt miserable, and couldn't kind of get out of this, yeah, cycle of death. So communism tried to address that, and I think it's it's very noble to think about um, flattening out the social injustice, and um, there's also very very good idea in in principle. But the way communism did this was not. In a very efficient way. Communism is a reactive idea or a reactive development and not a proactive development uh, and even less so a structural solution to, to the problems of capitalism. Because if you just want to break it down to very simple terms, communism means we have point A, this is the the social injustice that we have that emerged through first uh, first wave industrialization and capitalism and they crafted a solution a very simple solution with point b right because they thought this is the situation a it's not working so we have to create a whole new situation where this is going to going to work the answer was Building a system where wealth is centrally distributed, and we can see this in the, in the communist revolution in Russia, where um, they were able to, to establish the first communist uh, state and then centrally manage who gets what uh, and when <coughs> and on what terms, right? So, this is a <coughs> cut. <coughs> So, this is a very simplistic thinking, right? Because um, just the, the current situation is not working, uh, we create a whole new situation. Well, it might work, it might not work, because we don't know how the dynamics of societal conduct and economic conduct are going to unfold within this new scenario. But what I think is uh, important oftentimes is to find a structural approach to those problems. Capitalism in itself is not bad. It just reveals underlying um, traits of human nature because it is so detached from control and um, yeah, the wish to kind of create the best system through own proactive thinking and distribution of wealth. Money is just there. And whatever happens within the society through economic conduct... Is actually not money's fault, but our fault because our nature just does not allow for us to be efficient. To be more specific, if you, as somebody who has massive wealth, uh, have the opp- opportunity to kind of reinvest it and then grow exponentially because you have more productive cap- capital, and then later on, if you think about modern in modern terms, right, uh, invested in financial um, assets and then um, gain even more wealth through the ex- exponential growth of financial um, yeah, asset classes and uh, financial returns, then you are going to do it. It is not the case that you're going to say, oh, well, this creates social injustice. I might not do it, right? This is Nobody's going to do that. If you, the system allows you to do something, humans not only tend to do it, but they are exploiting it each and every time it's the classical example of the robber uh, bank robber and the bank yeah the bank increases the security or uh, improves the security system and the robber uh, yeah looks for new innovations to um, kind of rob the bank so this is human nature we always try to find um, yeah kind of the holes in the system and then exploit them because in the early days of capitalism the the idea and the system was evolving. obviously, the holes were much greater than they are today today the critique- critique is still there because um wealthy people exponentially uh, benefit from from the rules of capitalism. I mean, they are so wealthy people they can just go to politicians and uh, yeah kind of say, I'm going to pull out uh, all my productive capital from this country if you don't give me a tax break. And then I say, okay, well, there you go with your tax break. They enjoy legal advantages, informally, of course, but they do. Um, They have great advantages because they can invest more money in the financial markets and get much higher returns. So I can understand when communists say, we don't want that. We want to uh, prohibit these kind of things. But think about it this way. If capitalism is just improved, it would be much more efficient than to again reinstall a communist state where the human capital is not even um, sufficient enough to think about all the ways a society can develop into and then distribute uh, the wealth over many years. I mean, if you just look back at the last five years, right, how much change we have experienced on this planet Socially, uh, ideologically, economically, and even uh, militarily, right? You cannot predict what's going to happen, and this makes your system extremely inefficient if you just want to react to the social injustice. But instead, we need to um, improve capitalism as a system itself. So... The and I'm just going to give a last example before I'm diving into this the solution. Kind of the last example would be let's think about the global crisis, uh, global financial crisis in 2008. Back then, we had the mortgage lending crisis because banks were giving out loans to, um, yeah, not credit worthy customers. It was basically all dependent on, yeah, kind of banks trying to find the holes in the system and exploiting them right all right so this was in 2008 now in 2020 when we had the corona crisis and general demand dropped to such low levels you know that we would think that we have a systemic economic collapse and later on with the inflation like very recently and we're still battling it on a global uh, global level that we have rising inflation levels um, while the interest rates are also uh, increasing and, and slowing down um, productive investments, we would think that the banks that were just a couple of yeah just more than a decade ago were so structurally bad badly positioned that it would happen again that we would have uh, lots of defaults of of major banks. But it didn't happen. Why? Because from this crisis we learned that we needed to implement stricter rules and um, clearer rules of bank operations that would minimize the downward risk. And we managed to do that through the Basel uh, frameworks and currently they are actually working on the Basel 4 framework. So I'm, my prediction is that uh, the banks are going to be more secure over time and we have yeah, ever decreasing risk. Of systemic failure on the sides of banks. Why? Because capitalism was improved at that point. It needed a crisis, yes, but it's not like whole economies uh, collapsed or something like that. But we use that moment in history, in economic history, to extract maximum value, learn from it and improve capitalism. For example, if we think for, uh, in, in communist terms, uh, or in reactionary terms i don't want to put too much pressure like uh, from the idea perspective on on communism but <coughs> since it is um, a reactive thing uh, it is reactive thinking in the 2008 crisis we could have thought in a completely different direction and say okay well the system is not working and we are uh, overhauling it and building a new system this is uh, we, we we didn't know if that's going to be uh, the solution to our problem. But improving it actually was, and uh, it shows that banks um, are very strong throughout two major crises uh, crisis in the last um, three years. So I'm pretty confident that we have a very strong argument in favor of uh, improving capitalism. And here, Devlet, my book, yeah, comes in. Based on the free market logic and free market dynamics, I uh, extended those ideas and called it the devletist um, economy. And everything that I discuss in this book is kind of, uh, yeah, how can I say, improved with the word uh, devletist upfront. Um, and the idea of the devletist economy is that, yes, we have money and yes, we have a free market mechanism and uh, system, obviously, for the economy but it is very um now the wording is very important i don't want to say strictly regulated it is very logically regulated because yes we need the dynamic of um or the the interplay of individual prop- property rights and money so we can outsource the efficiency so money is moving to the to the points where it's utilized the most for example Um, If we take a scientist and this person tries to develop something uh, he is going to save money or invest it into something that he can use in order to make his innovation work. So money is then um, at a point where it's utilized in the most efficient way. This wouldn't be possible in communism because the distribution of wealth is not according to where it's needed most or where the, uh, the money naturally flows to efficiently but rather yeah, based on a very uh, universal uh, distribution mechanism. So it's not going to work. And this, this uh, scientist might not be able to kind of uh, develop his idea, uh, ideas and in innovation. However, what I think is very important that uh, politics needs, uh, needs to do is to create frameworks where demand is actually channeled into very useful things that brings us... Um, yeah for a father in uh, in our yeah progression as uh, societies what do i mean by that today we have for example a much, much concentration of demand in uh, entertainment businesses right so i'm talking about social media sports and tv gaming whatever so naturally because the demand is within those sectors quite high we tend to neglect more important stuff, such as archaeology, um, humanities, or also biology, chemistry, uh, natural sciences. Why is that? Because when you get more money, right? In yeah, by by just uh, engaging with very superficial stuff, uh, something that I'm bringing up all the time, then obviously people kind of try to specialize in those sectors, right? Why do they do that? Because in the current um, political system uh, or in the uh, current capitalist setup, people still exponentially um, are favored. uh, People with money are exponentially favored and have the opportunity to develop themselves and realize themselves once they have money. But what happens is that that the economic output of a society becomes... Um, worse in quality, so we have a bunch of superficial and unnecessary stuff i'm just giving the the most simple example if you open up an e commerce shop right selling just some sort of product i don 't know fidget spinners or something like that any product that does not or telephone cases um, any product that does not uh, enhance society, but you make a lot of money out of it people. Obviously are dragged into those sectors, but neglect other sectors which actually would advance society, such as physics, chemistry,, um, yeah, art or uh, humanities, history, archaeology, you name it, right? These are very important aspects of societal life, but because nobody's uh, yeah, willing to pay for those services and um, the findings of those sectors, they are going to die. Or at least um, yeah, lowering the output so we cannot advance. So they're pretty much dependent on, on um, yeah, public funding, etc. etc. So what in a devil test economy happens is that in principle, the demand is redirected. And how you do that is not just by setting incentives. Obviously, you do that through the um, education system because people, when they... Are more directed towards not making money, but to developing themselves. obviously they're going to seek uh, ways of doing this uh, also within the economy. And on the other side, you also need to have rules and regulations that exactly as we did uh, as we just talked about uh, in the banking sector, reduce downward uh, downside risk, meaning that yeah, the labor laws. Need to be much more uh, streamlined. They need to be, yeah, much more restrictive on on, on the side of uh, yeah in terms of exploita- exploitation. But also, um, you need to make minimum quotas of reinvestment of capital for for firms, so that firms cannot just put up uh, massive uh, winning margins and then not reinvest it into innovative stuff. So. The economy itself should reinvest in innovation and research and development, and you can make a simple rule. You can say twenty percent of of company earnings and revenue need to go back into research and development, right? And you're not distributing wealth proactively, but you're just giving the companies the chance to proactively seek by themselves to, to look elsewhere for. Uh, for innovative uh, investments and not just for for capital returns and all of a sudden you create the demand by just setting a very setting up a very simple rule without kind of uh, taking away from anyone and redistributing it to some point where you don't know if it's going to be productive or not so the developed economy actually is an economy that has very clear rules and regulations that reduce um, kind of the inefficient use of money while also securing some sort of, of, or making a a very efficient uh, risk minimization. On the other hand, it creates demand for services and products and um, all sorts of economic conduct where society can progress. In the current situation, as I said, the focus is pretty much based on where can i get the most monetary benefit from my economic conduct right but the focus should really be where can we have the most innovative potential because then society progresses and then you have also more sustained uh, or sustainable popular demand for your products and services right at one point telephone cases are not going to be relevant anymore, the winning margins drop and you have to look for another product to kind of put on the market. But if you have technology or yeah, kind of um, other scientific fields where companies redirect their capital to, you create continued demand because the level or the cognitive level of the society is increasing. So it's kind of an interplay between having economic success and societal success. Where I have to say the main message in this book is the economic success is not a success in itself, but rather a means to gain um, societal progress and advance collectively. This is just kind of the, uh, yeah, how can I say, the short summary or a very, very brief sketch of um, what the devil's economy is about. I aim to um, dive deeper into this topic um, in another episode, of course, because there's much more to it, and it's a very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting approach, I think, because capitalism and the critique is obvious nowadays. Um, people, yeah, are very sometimes a bit too heavy on on capitalism, but it's really just our nature that moves along. Yeah, the structural. Uh, Set up of rules and regulations in any sense, not just in the economic realm, so I hope um, you could take away something from this, uh, as I said, book recommendation devlet uh, links are in the description, and then I hope to again, I almost did it again no, I don't hope to uh, well, I also hope to see and hear from you, but uh, I also hope to see you back um, yeah for another episode of Aceto Podcast. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye.